This is section 100 of Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 1, Part 2, 1866 to 1875. Chapter 100, Raymond, Mental Telegraphy, etc. The Sellers play was given in Hartford in January 1875 to as many people as could crowd into the opera house. Raymond had reached the perfection of his art by that time, and the townsmen of Mark Twain saw the play and the actor at their best. Kate Field played the part of Laura Hawkins, and there was a Hartford girl in the company. Also a Hartford young man, who would one day be about as well known to playgoers as any playwright or actor that America has produced. His name was William Gillette, and it was largely due to Mark Twain that the author of Secret Service and of the dramatic Sherlock Holmes got a fair public start. Clemens and his wife loaned Gillette the three thousand dollars which tided him through his period of dramatic education. Their faith in his ability was justified. Hartford would naturally be enthusiastic on a first Sellers-Raymond night. At the end of the fourth act, there was an urgent demand for the author of the play, who was supposed to be present. He was not there in person, but had sent a letter, which Raymond read. My dear Raymond, I am aware that you are going to be welcomed to our town by great audiences on both nights of your stay there, and I beg to add my hearty welcome also through this note. I cannot come to the theater on either evening, Raymond, because there is something so touching about your acting that I can't stand it. I do not mention a couple of colds in my head, because I hardly minded them as much as I would the erysipelas but between you and me i would prefer it if they were rights and lefts and then there is another thing i have always taken a pride in earning my living in outside places and spending it in hartford i have said that no good citizen would live on his own people but go forth and make it sultry for other communities and fetch home the result and now at this late day i find myself in the crushed and bleeding position of fattening myself upon the spoils of my brethren can i support such grief as this this is literary emotion you understand take the money at the door just the same once more i welcome you to hartford raymond but as for me let me stay at home and blush yours truly mark the play was equally successful wherever it went it made what in that day was regarded as a fortune one hundred thousand dollars is hardly too large an estimate of the amount divided between author and actor. Raymond was a great actor in that part, as he interpreted it, though he did not interpret it fully, or always in its best way. 
the finer side the subtle tender side of colonel sellers he was likely to overlook yet with the natural human self-estimate raymond believed he had created a much greater part than mark twain had written doubtless from the point of view of a number of people this was so though the idea was naturally obnoxious to clemens in course of time their personal relations ceased clemens that winter gave another benefit for father hawley in reply to an invitation to appear in behalf of the poor he wrote that he had quit the lecture field and would not return to the platform unless driven there by lack of bread but he added by the spirit of that remark i am debarred from delivering this proposed lecture and so i fall back upon the letter of it and emerge upon the platform for this last and final time because i am confronted by a lack of bread among father hawley's flock he made an introductory speech at an old-fashioned spelling-bee given at the asylum hill church a breezy charming talk of which the following is a sample i don't see any use in spelling a word right and never did i mean i don't see any use in having a uniform and arbitrary way of spelling words we might as well make all clothes alike and cook all dishes alike sameness is tiresome variety is pleasing i have a correspondent whose letters are always a refreshment to me there is such a breezy unfettered originality about his orthography he always spells cow with a large k now that is just as good as to spell it with a small one it is better it gives the imagination a broader field a wider scope it suggests to the mind a grand vague impressive new kind of a cow he took part in the contest and in spite of his early reputation was spelled down on the word cauldron which he spelled c-a-u-l-d-r-o-n as he had been taught while the dictionary used as authority gave that form as second choice another time that winter clemens read before the monday evening club a paper on universal suffrage which is still remembered by the surviving members of that time a paragraph or two will convey its purport our marvelous latter-day statesmanship has invented universal suffrage that is the finest feather in our cap all that we require of a voter is that he shall be forked wear pantaloons instead of petticoats and bear a more or less humorous resemblance to the reported image of god he need not know anything whatever he may be wholly useless and a cumberer of the earth he may even be known 
to be a consummate scoundrel no matter while he can steer clear of the penitentiary his vote is as weighty as the vote of a president a bishop a college professor a merchant prince we brag of our universal unrestricted suffrage but we are shams after all for we restrict when we come to the women the monday evening club was an organization which included the best minds of hartford dr horace bushnell professor calvin e stowe and j hammond trumbull founded it back in the sixties and it included such men as rev dr parker rev dr burton charles h clark of the current warner and twichell with others of their kind clemens had been elected after his first sojourn in england february eighteen seventy three and had then read a paper on the license of the press the club met alternate mondays from october to may there was one paper for each evening and after the usual fashion of such clubs the reading was followed by discussion members of that time agree that mark twain's association with the club had a tendency to give it a life or at least an exhilaration which it had not previously known his papers were serious in their purpose he always preferred to be serious but they evidenced the magic gift which made whatever he touched turn to literary jewelry psychic theories and phenomena always attracted mark twain in thought transference especially he had a frank interest an interest awakened and kept alive by certain phenomena psychic manifestations we call them now in his association with mrs clemens it not infrequently happened that one spoke the other's thought or perhaps a long procrastinated letter to a friend would bring an answer as quickly as mailed but these are things familiar to us all a more startling example of thought communication developed at the time of which we are writing an example which raised to a fever point whatever interest he may have had in the subject before he was always having these vehement interests rages we may call them for it would be inadequate to speak of them as fads inasmuch as they tended in the direction of human enlightenment or progress or reform clemens one morning was lying in bed when as he says suddenly a red-hot new idea came whistling down into my camp the idea was that the time was ripe for a book that would tell the story of the comstock of the nevada silver mines it seemed to him that the person best qualified for the work was his old friend william wright dan de quill he had not heard from dan or of him for a long time but decided to write and urge him to take up the idea he prepared the letter going fully into the details of his plan as was natural for him to do then laid it aside until he could see bliss and secure his approval of the scheme from a publishing standpoint just a week later it was the ninth of march a letter came a thick letter bearing a nevada postmark and addressed in a handwriting which he presently recognized as de quill's to a visitor who was present he said now i will do a miracle i will tell you everything this letter contains date signature and all 
without breaking the seal he stated what he believed was in the letter then he opened it and showed that he had correctly given its contents which were the same in all essential details as those of his own letter not yet mailed in an article on mental telegraphy he invented the name he relates this instance with others and in following the equator and elsewhere he records other such happenings it was one of the mysteries in which he never lost interest though his concern in it in time became a passive one the result of the de quill manifestation however he has not recorded clemens immediately wrote urging dan to come to hartford for an extended visit de quill came and put in a happy spring in his old comrade's luxurious home writing the big bonanza which bliss successfully published a year later mark twain was continually inviting old friends to share his success with him any comrade of former days found welcome in his home as often as he would come and for as long as he would stay clemens dropped his own affairs to advise in their undertakings and if their undertakings were literary he found them a publisher he did this for joaquin miller and for bret hart and he was always urging goodman to make his house a home the beecher tilton trial was the sensation of the spring of eighteen seventy five and clemens in common with many others was greatly worked up over it the printed testimony had left him decidedly in doubt as to beecher's innocence though his blame would seem to have been less for the possible offense than because of the great leader's attitude in the matter to twichell he said his quibbling was fatal innocent or guilty he should have made an unqualified statement in the beginning together they attended one of the sessions on a day when beecher himself was on the witness stand the tension was very great the excitement was painful twichell thought that beecher appeared well under the stress of examination and was deeply sorry for him clemens was far from convinced the feeling was especially strong in hartford where henry ward beecher's relatives were prominent and animosities grew out of it they are all forgotten now most of those who cherished bitterness are dead any feeling that clemens had in the matter lasted but a little while howells tells us that when he met him some months after the trial ended and was tempted to mention it clemens discouraged any discussion of the event says howells he would only say the man had suffered enough as if the man had expiated his wrong and he was not going to do anything to renew his penalty i found that very curious very delicate his continued blame would not come to the sufferer's knowledge but he felt it his duty to forbear it it was one hundred years that nineteenth of april since the battles of lexington and concord and there was to be a great celebration the howellses had visited hartford in march and the clemenses were invited to cambridge for the celebration only clemens could go which in the event proved a good thing perhaps for when clemens and howells set out for concord they did not go over to boston to take the train but decided to wait for it at cambridge apparently it did not occur to them that the train would be jammed the moment the doors were opened at the boston station 
but when it came along they saw how hopeless was their chance. They had special invitations and passage from Boston, but these were only mockeries now. It was cold and chilly, and they forlornly set out in search of some sort of a conveyance. They tramped around in the mud and raw wind, but vehicles were either filled or engaged, and drivers and occupants were inclined to jeer at them. Clemens was taken with an acute attack of indigestion, which made him rather dismal and savage. Their effort finally ended with his trying to run down a tally-ho which was empty inside and had a party of Harvard students riding atop. The students, who did not recognize their would-be fare, enjoyed the race. They encouraged their pursuer, and perhaps their driver, with merriment and cheers. Clemens was handicapped by having to run in the slippery mud, and soon dropped by the wayside. "'I am glad,' says Howells, "'I cannot recall what he said when he came back to me.' They hung about a little longer, then dragged themselves home, slipped into the house, and built up a fine, cheerful fire on the hearth. They proposed to practice a deception on Mrs. Howells by pretending they had been to Concord and returned. But it was no use. Their statements were flimsy, and guilt was plainly written on their faces. Howells recalls this incident delightfully, and expresses the belief that the humor of the situation was finally a greater pleasure to Clemens than the actual visit to Concord would have been. Twitchell did not have any such trouble in attending the celebration. He had adventures, he was always having adventures, but they were of a more successful kind. Clemens heard the tale of them when he returned to Hartford. He wrote it to Howells. Joe Twitchell preached morning and evening here last Sunday, took midnight train for Boston, got an early breakfast, and started by rail at 7.30 a.m. for Concord. Swelled around there until 1 p.m. seeing everything then traveled on top of a train to lexington saw everything there traveled on top of a train to boston with hundreds in company deluged with dust smoke and cinders yelled and hurrahed all the way like a schoolboy lay flat down to dodge numerous bridges and sailed into the depot howling with excitement and as black as a chimney-sweep got to young's hotel at seven p m sat down in the reading-room and immediately fell asleep was promptly awakened by a porter who supposed he was drunk wandered around an hour and a half then took nine p m train sat down in a smoking car and remembered nothing more until awakened by conductor as the train came into hartford at one thirty a m thinks he had simply a glorious time and wouldn't have missed the centennial for the world he would have run out to see us a moment at cambridge but he was too dirty. I wouldn't have wanted him there. His appalling energy would have been 
an insufferable reproach to mild adventurers like you and me. End of chapter 100 Raymond, Mental Telegraphy, etc. Read by John Greenman.